Welcome to the FCPS show, the podcast about the fan-owned club in Austria, FC Pinskau Salfelden. On today's episode, Lee Wingate talks to two of the guys behind the excellently named post-match phone-in show, The Minority Report. Lee Wingate and I'm your host for today and welcome to the latest episode of the FCPS show, the final episode of our pod before Christmas. We've got double trouble for you today listeners because I am joined by not one but two guests for this episode and they are none other than two FCPS fan owners and the formidable duo behind the Minority Report, Christian Faliar and Eric Krajewski. Christian, Eric, how are you both doing today? Doing great, thanks. Outstanding. Happy holidays. Good stuff. Before we get cracking and take a deep dive into all things fan ownership, can I ask you just for anyone who perhaps doesn't know you already to tell us a little bit about yourselves? So most of our fan owners and listeners will already be familiar, but for those that aren't, who are you? Where are you based? And tell us a little bit about your soccer fandom. Perhaps we'll start with you, Christian. I live in Durham, North Carolina. I'm a professor at Duke University. Um, I teach nurse anesthesia, so I I work specifically at the university, but I also work at the university hospital. It's... um pretty much a 60 hour a week job. And I found um, fan owned club to be my, to be my creative outlet. So my soccer history goes back to the eighties. Um, I played briefly in college and played on an adult men's team for about 20 years. Um, I actually formed a club, which is how I met Eric, um, was fortunate enough to, um, to be randomly connected to Eric on a call when we were looking for team uniforms. And Eric and I have been friends probably now for 15 years at least. Eric and I have traveled together um, all over Germany. I've seen a ton of Bundesliga matches. And I think Eric will tell you, I, I think, you know, I don't think we're specific. We don't really have specific loyalties to clubs. We're just um, loyal to the sport. And I, I think regardless of the, uh, the the grounds you go to or the fans you meet, there's just a, there's just a level of passion that, um, that we, that we enjoy participating in. What about you, Eric? I live outside of Buffalo, New York. Started playing soccer when I was really young for the uh, local town programs. Kind of progressed from there to, to travel soccer teams, high school teams. Gave it a shot at college. Managed to stay on the on the squad as a reserve goalkeeper for a couple seasons. Realized at some point I wasn't turning professional and wanted to graduate in four years. So um, quit my dreams after two years of college soccer. Got into refereeing soccer real heavy. Um, my highest... Uh, leagues of refereeing. We're in the United States Soccer League, so it's a step or two below MLS. Latched on to the largest soccer retailer in the country, uh, Sports Endeavors, better known as Soccer.com or Eurosport. Spent about eight years there doing team sales. As Christian mentioned, when he called in one time looking for Yako uniforms of all things for his Richmond City Football Club, uh, connected with me. We kind of grew a friendship out of there. Interestingly enough, within the first couple of phone calls of negotiating these uniforms, Christian mentioned that I could come along and go to Germany and take in some Bundesliga matches. And so literally that same day he offered, I went home to my wife and or my uh, girlfriend at the time, I guess, and said, hey, I want to go to Germany to watch soccer matches with this guy. I learned on the phone, you know, 40 minutes ago, she said, have fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it all began with our friendship. 
I haven't worked for that soccer company in maybe 10 years. And so I, I work at a team dealer now called BSN Sports that sells all sports, including soccer, but really missing soccer in my day-to-day -day life. And so there's no real professional teams uh, either in the USL level or MLS around Buffalo, New York. Closest one is in Toronto and Canada. And so when I read an opportunity on the, the athletic from Matt Pence, I believe is how you pronounce his name, that there was this opportunity to own a small piece of a European soccer club. Immediately, it, I engaged with it because I wanted some soccer in my life. And um, it's been it's been uh, a lot of soccer in my life. So happy I uh, made the decision and kind of got the word out. Yeah, I was going to ask you a bit about how you both found out about the opportunity to invest in Fano and Club and FCPS. But I have to admit, first of all, I never knew that your friendship went back so far. I thought that you'd met recently via the, the whole FCPS fan ownership. So that's great to hear that it's a long-term friendship. Was one of you instrumental in getting the other one involved in becoming a fan owner? We had always joked, I think, dating back from our our days of, of soccer travel that we always wanted to buy Kaiserslautern and um, Kaiserslautern keeps dropping in leagues. So every year that they're in a lower division, we joke that we're getting closer to be able to afford them. So Eric called me in the spring and said, Hey, you know how you always wanted to own a European soccer team. Here's your opportunity. So he, um, he sent me the article to the athletic and, and we had some chats. I did some research on my own. And, and again, I was looking for a creative outlet. I just, I, Austria, you know, is, I, I can't say it's Germany, but it's about as close to Germany as you can get. The cultures are very similar. I was familiar with Red Bull Salzburg, but other than that, I really didn't know a lot about the, about the Austrian leagues. And so we started chatting and um, I made a few phone calls and, and I just figured I was going all in. I wasn't just going to do it partially. I might as well fully invest in the club and um, get to know the team, get to know the players. And um, I thought it would just be a just be a, a, a great creative outlet for me. What's it been like for you both then in your first years of fan ownership? Because obviously 2020 has been an absurd year for, for the whole world. And I think watching or streaming sports for all of us has been sort of a glimpse of normality in an otherwise very abnormal period. So even though things might not have gone according to plan exactly on the pitch this season, how much have you enjoyed watching FCPS and, and what have been the highlights for you? We'll start with Eric. Sure. I would say the way I evaluate things is as if I was eating at a restaurant, having known what I know after eating the, the food, what I ordered again, and my involvement and connection with Fandom Club and FCPS has, has been something I would definitely do again. Um, it's a journey. And it's not something that was going to be um, a direct rocket ship up into upper divisions in Austria and, and European competition for sure. And so um, I, on match day, I, I drive a mile down to where my, my folks live and watch the game with my dad. And to sum it up, when, when Jada shot that ball in the top right-hand corner, I forget against which team, um, but I ran around, I did a lap. I ran around the house, I was so excited. And so the, the connection is there. Uh, I enjoy it and it is what it has promised to be. It's been a journey. There's been extremely high highs and there's been lows that we're working through. Um, but when you sign up to be a fan owner, the difference between being a fan owner and a fan in my view is when you're a fan, you just eat the sausage, sit back and enjoy the match, which is fine. When you're a fan owner, you actually get to see how the sausage is made that you're about to eat when you watch the match. And so it's neat to get a, a peek behind the curtain to see 
what goes on in running a club. And uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's probably not what you expect. Um, initially, I, I expected I would, you know, be acquiring my own private aircraft and the, the red carpet and the, the golden paved road and the chocolates and strawberries. And it, it isn't that. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of information, a lot of balls in the air at the same time. But it's giving you the experience that you wouldn't have as, as a normal fan. And I think that's what fan-owned clubs set to do. Eric, it was Aniff that he scored against, and I didn't have to look that up. I just I have that kind of memory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, again, for me, I, I it would be curious for me to know how involved I would have got with Fan Own Club had it not been for the pandemic. Um, I, I think because I was at home um, and there wasn't other things out and about for me to do, I was probably a little more focused on finding something I could do online and. Um, to me, it worked out perfect. I mean, I was able to see matches regardless of whether I was in Austria or or at home. I, I think what I was curious to see, again, I, I think Eric can attest to this, when we go to matches or, you know, when we were in Europe seeing matches, being a fan, it is, it's about the fan experience, that part of it. And I think what I wanted out of fan-owned club is kind of what Eric alluded to is, um, I mean, it's nice to sit in the stands and eat the brat, but all those things that build up to where the fan can sit in the stands are the things that interest me. Um, I would say the one thing that, that I've probably learned about this that I really wasn't expecting is, is things you don't anticipate. Again, you, um, with a small club like Pings Gal, you know, you know, we had players on the minority report, you know, we've had conversations. I've texted players, they've texted me back. Um, I think you guys actually sent me a picture from um, one of the Champions League matches in Salzburg. So, so you develop this friendship, and and I think the one thing you lose sight of is it's a business, and and ultimately as an owner, um, there's a business side you have to um, you have to deal with, and how do you make sure that the club is successful um, but still maintain those relationships? And 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 so that's you know I, I can see how ownership. Um, can be cloudy sometimes. So that, I think that's probably been the most eye-opening thing. Again, would you have liked to finish top of the table and be talking about promotion? Of course, everybody wants to, to be on top of the table and talk about promotion. But if you don't, I'm curious to see how we move forward um, to maintain stability and then and then make that push next year. I'd like to touch upon something that you mentioned just there, Christina, and that's about sort of the the meaningful friendships and bonds that you create along the journey. And obviously, there have been a lot of meaningful connections that you guys have created to other fan owners, to players and people associated with the club. Perhaps tell us about some of the, the friendships and bonds that, that you've made as a result of, of investing in, in fan owned club. For me, I, the getting to know where fan owners come from, I, I, I'm surprised at how dispersed across the country they are. You know, every time I talk to somebody, it's a different part of the country. I mean, I, so, so I, I just think it's interesting. I mean, it's nice to see that, you know, it, it's spread out. It's just not limited to one area that, you know, there are people from New York and Georgia and North Carolina and New York and, and Colorado and Utah. And so, so you have this whole group of people coming together for a common cause, which is great. And we do have something singular to talk about. Um, with respect to the players, it's really been eye-opening for me, I think, to see see the system, you know, in the United States, our, our system until recently has really been a university based system where, you know, you're good in high school, you get a scholarship to a university, 
Um, and then if you're good enough, then maybe you can play at the next level where in Europe, it's a completely different base system. And um, just talking to some of the players about how they got started, um, you know, where they played, what academies they played at, how um, they saw Pingsgao as a springboard for their career. That to me has all been fascinating. And just understanding the structure of a third division Austrian team. I, I think not fully understanding, you know, the differences between the, the GB, GBMH, is that right? And the Verein, you know, what that entails. Also not understanding, you know, that Pingsgal not only is a professional team, but there's a second team, a women's team, there's a whole youth academy. So, so you know, meeting those people like the assistant coach, interacting with them on Twitter, it's opened up a whole new world for me. I mean, as far as things that you just don't normally recognize. Again, following you guys, for example, is another thing. Just having those conversations where, where you can offer insight into things that you're just not familiar with. Yeah, and it, some of the interactions I've had with players really gives you an insight into that they are. It's, there's a human side to this. It isn't just showing up on a match day, playing for two hours, and then going into a an unknown void of life over there and then seeing them a week later. Um, I've had text messages where players say, Hey, you know, I've got to bring in the groceries or I'm on my way back from work. And they talk about the distance between traveling from where they live in Salzburg to Pinsgau and how long that takes. And so it really, the opportunity to, to reach out and connect with the players, you know, for us is 4,000 miles away and six hours difference. It's been eye opening because I haven't had that experience with the professional teams that are, six miles from where I sit right now. And so it definitely has painted a, a human picture. And part of that human picture is that, yeah, fi finances with players are an important thing. You know, um, a lot of these players, it, it it's important. Uh, part of their income is, is playing their profession. And so you, you, it definitely paints a, a human side to it, which I didn't have before. I didn't, I just took it for granted. And, um, you know, being a fan owner opens that channel up if you want to engage with it. And I think it's been healthy. It gives my mind something to to drift into when I don't want it to drift into uh, my daily work schedule. And so it's been a positive release and hobby and, and very interesting for me. I know that there are a couple of players in particular who've been really good interacting with the fan owners over the last few months um, and that you you guys in particular have grown close to. Lucas Schubert, for example, and, and Danny Reichel both of whom recently left the club. Do you guys have a message uh, to them to, uh, you know, about what your, your friendship and your connection with them has meant over the last few months and, and, and for their future? First of all, I, I texted Lucas at one point. I said, we're brothers. You know, we, we share information. We share successes. We share failures. Uh, we have their back as much as we can. And so it's, it pretty much sums it up right there. I, I truly believe that we're, we're brothers from 4,000 miles away. The first thing I would say is um, I, I wish Daniel and Lucas the best in their futures, you know, you know, whether it's football or not football, because I do know them as people now. Um, I think for one of the minority reports, Daniel's girlfriend was actually driving him so he could get home so he could be on the report. And so he's calling us on a, a Skype call from the backseat of his car, which was which was kind of comical. I don't know that you would ever see that from a major league player in the United States, but for me, it was just really a humanistic side, which I thought was great. And we do text with those guys semi-regularly. I, I know that, you know, Lucas, I, I think what I appreciated the most about Lucas is, is he appreciated the fan-owned aspect of it. He really wanted buy-in from the fans. He wanted them to be excited about the club. 
and you could tell that when he and not and not only Lucas, but when the players stepped on the pitch for the most part, you could tell that they weren't only playing for themselves, but they knew there was a group of people they were playing for, you know. And and there were multiple players on calls with us. I think Dennis Karamanovich was on a call with us. He was he was fantastic, you know. And and those guys again, just to see them see them as people rather than somebody on a television. I, I think Eric probably hit it spot on. You know, I, you know, I, I've lived close to so many professional teams and I've never had this type of interaction with any of those players. You know, I, I feel like that, that there's a, there's a circle around a lot of American sports teams um, that just prevent that type of interaction. And, um, and, and I felt like the level of interaction we were getting, it's just unprecedented for me. I mean, you know, to, to know that, that you're watching somebody in a match and then, 30 minutes later, you know, they're talking to you like, you know, just like your mates at a pub. I, I just thought that was fantastic. And, you know, and, and I think for me, probably the hardest part of fan-owned club is, again, developing friendships like that, but ultimately knowing that I'm an owner of a club. And, and when you look back at decisions owners and other sports have made about players, whether it was made too much with their heart and not enough with business, I get that. And, um, you know, from my standpoint, I want what's best for the club, but I also want to see the players succeed. And I think that's probably, if there's anything that I would struggle with as a fan owner, that's what it would be. Some really nice words there from both of you. Thanks very much. And I'm sure Lucas, Danny and, and the others will will take delight in listening to that. Let's talk a little bit now about your recent venture, the Minority Report, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And I, I want to dedicate a good part of today's episode to that. There have been lots of really good initiatives from, from fans so far. We've got a, an FCPS Italian fan channel. We've just got our new fan owner blog online from the owner's box. But the Minority Report is is something quite special. So... Before I ask my questions, I would like to ask, who came up with the name for this? Which one of you two is going to take credit for that? Is Eric's idea. We were, I think... We were we were originally going to do the other other Bundesliga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the origins of the Minority Report were quite simple. Uh, in Buffalo, and I imagine most sports cities in the U.S., and I don't, I can't speak about Europe, so maybe, Lee, you could jump in on that is that after a professional NFL football game, there's usually a, a call-in sports radio show where people call in, they're still hot with emotion about the game, whether win or loss, and they want to complain about the referees, talk about who played well, just, just come together as a community in sport and discuss the game that just happened. And so about halfway through the Pinsgau season, I, I got a, an idea that I really wanted to do this for FCPS but of course I couldn't do a call-in show because you could have people calling in from all over the world. I mean, we've got people in the UK, people in Austria, people in Germany, people in Singapore, people in Utah, all over the place. So I didn't know how they could call in on a phone, you know, without paying long distance fees and I'd have to figure out how to host it. There's just, I just didn't see it happening. And so the platform quickly was identified to just do a Google meet, just, uh, you know, a, a, a video call-in, I guess, so after a match, we would pop up a, a Google Meet and then fan owners or really anyone could, could join to talk about the match. And we wanted to kind of do it in jock style where you would say, you know, and now on the line from Utah, Candace is calling in. Candace, what do you feel about the match? You know, just that banter. And so um, Christian supported the idea. He thought it was great. And we had to name it. We had to get some logos for it. So we got that figured out. 
And Lucas um, thought it was a great idea too. And there was one match where he was ill and couldn't participate in the match down in, in Pinsku. So he actually had the idea, why don't I come on on halftime and discuss the match with you guys and you know what happened in the first 45 minutes of play. And so he did that and I thought it was fantastic. We had fan owner participation. And that's really what this, we wanted it to be something people could participate in. So with a podcast, you can listen, but you really can't participate when you're listening to it. It's just something to listen to, which is fantastic. So we wanted to create something where people could actively be involved in. And so um, after the matches, we I think we did it three or four times. And then the season came to an end. And we were, of course, going to struggle with content. Like, do we continue with this or do we just wait till the season starts back up? And we wanted to continue with it. So we wanted to create some some content on our own. And that's where we kind of decided we would reach out to other teams to talk to their representatives, reach out to the league to get a league representative, get more of the pin scout players on these on the calls and do it every other week is kind of how it evolved. Tell me perhaps a little bit about that that call with Patrick Reiter you had, who's one of the owners at, at Bischofshof and one of our league rivals. What did you glean from that conversation? And what was it like seeing the Salzburg Regional League from a different perspective? Patrick, we kind of ran into him just on chance. I found his contact on a website, reached out to him, and kind of created a friendship before the season even started, before this minority report was even an idea. And so once we came to the end of the season, Patrick became a logical choice to have on as a uh, an owner of a different team. So he was all on board. Patrick is is very loquacious. He likes to talk. And he, he went on for an hour and a half. And he he, he was completely transparent and in, in kind of outlining the future endeavors of his club, as well as what's happened in the past and the present. And it was just fantastic to hear his perspective uh, on the league. Because right now, if you just watch the games on a stream, you have no idea who you're playing against. It's just the other team in a different color jersey. So part of the effort was to give these teams context. So when you play against them, you can know who you're playing against. So it, it means a little bit more. And what'll be fun too is a week before we play them again, now we can reach out to Patrick. We have a relationship. We can, you know, have some banter back and forth and talk some smack. And I want to come up with an idea of, you know, whoever wins the game, the other person's got to do a, a funny stunt you know, and put it on Twitter as, as kind of like a, a friendly wager. So we're going to have fun with it. We, I think part of what, you know, we want to bring the fan-owned club is we want to make this um, experience a real lot of fun. It can be a very cool thing, but it, it takes fan-owner involvement to make it. If you're if you're wondering, hey, what can fan-owned club do for me? I think you're approaching it wrong. It should really be what can you do to, for fan-owned club? Because we, all, all, <laughs> we all are owners in this, and it's only as fun as we make it. You guys are definitely at a massive part of the furniture already and, and making a, a great effort for uh, for fan-owned clubs. So everyone really appreciates all the stuff that you're doing. And, and with the Minority Report as well, it's great to see fans getting so, so involved. There's been a lot of involvement recently, particularly over the last week or two weeks or so, because you've been making some FCPS branded gear and giving it away as, as prizes, right? So so tell us about your, your 12 days of Pinsgau initiative at the moment and the cool stuff you're giving away. I have watched Freeform, uh, which is a channel in the United States, and I always talking about the 12 days of Christmas. And I was like, well, we should just do 12 days of Pingsgal. Um, one thing I think Eric and I have in common is we love gear, and, and Eric is, a, is good at branding. So when we came up with our 
with our minority report, Eric came up with a nice logo. And then we just had some face masks made for COVID and some stickers made. And then we had all this gear and we didn't know what to do with it. So we thought we would share the wealth. So, so I needed a way to give it away. And so I just started thinking about things that happened during the season. And I tried to relate them to 12 days of Christmas. So um, I, I think if you look at each question, it's numerically related to something that happened during the season. I still think day five with number five, Nicholas Seiler and his five yellow cards is the best one I've come up with. But um, there, there are some good ones in there. So I just hope everybody, if it's still going on when this goes out, that um, you sign on and retweet it. We're giving away stuff, number one. But number two, it's just a way for us to stay involved over the winter break. And, you know, I'm sure we'll do something again for the spring launch. Um, it's just fun. Again, it's mostly about trying to, to maintain that conversation when there's no matches going on. I think that's the most difficult thing is, is you know, when there's no matches, it's hard to have a, a straight up conversation about the goings on of the club. Yeah, you're right about that. The The winter breaks here in Austria have always been very long, but especially so now with the, the corona-induced stop, that means that it's going to be five months or so without football. And I think it's really nice that you guys are keeping things ticking over at the moment. So great job on that. For anyone who perhaps isn't familiar with your Twitter account, where can people follow you on Twitter? It's at FCPS Report, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's our Twitter handle. And I think if you just type in the search, the Minority Report, we show up at some level. You can always, I mean, if you find Eric and I, I think it's always clicked up on there and, and we're always trying to tweet something about the club. So if you follow us, we follow you back. I, I think that's the most important thing. We want to, you know, create a following. I'm, I, I don't need to be a gold star account, but at the same time, um, as many fan owners that, that follow us, we want to follow you back. And again, we just want to create that network. And, and again, for me, it's about getting more fan owners. You know, if, if, if you follow me and I follow you back and one of your friends happens to say, hey, this sounds pretty cool. I wonder what they're doing. They get slightly involved. They may think about becoming a fan owner as well. And that's, and to me, that's really the goal is to, is to keep it going. You've heard it there, fan owners, at FCPS Report on Twitter to follow the Minority Report. So please do follow Eric and Christy, and they're doing a great job. They've been giving you a lot of trivia over the last couple of weeks, and I decided to put them on the spot on this episode and perhaps give them a bit of trivia. So guys, I've got five questions for you. Are you up for it before we finish? Yeah, before we jump off um, into the trivia, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention there is a third person that's part of the Minority Report, and I just want to give a shout out to our boy Logan Chug as well. There's a trio of you doing it. So Christy and Eric and, and Logan. Correct. Stuff. Okay, well, we'll start with some trivia then. I've just got five questions. They're all about FCPS and they're all number based. So what I'm going to do is just ask you to take a guess for each question and whichever one of you is closest to the actual answer gets the point. How does it sound? Let's do Fair it. Enough. Game on. Looking at me with a mixture of entertainment and trepidation there. So, so let's get started. <laughs> so, so the first question, I'll ask the question and then Christian can give me the answer first for this one. And then Eric. So what date was FC Pinsgau Saalfelden founded? I think the year was 2007, but I don't know the date. I'm going to go with the Austrian Independence Day, which is in October. That, same, that just seems like a nice random date for Pinsgau to be founded. October... Is it like October 15th? Is that Austrian Independence Day? Um, you're putting me on the spot right now. I probably should know that after. after <laughs> then I'm right. Living here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was putting you on the spot, guys. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, we'll go for. So you're going for fifteenth of October, Eric. What about you? Well, I'm happy Christian went first because I was way off in the year. So I'll go July fifteenth. Okay, so Christian's inadvertently helped you out there. It's the twenty third of May two thousand and seven. So so that point goes to to Eric on that one. Well, um, <laughs> question number two: How many goals have FCPS scored in the Regional Liga Salzburg this season? So Eric, you can go first for this one. 12 said confidently yeah I, I i would say less than 15 so i'll say i'll say 13 just by virtue of being closest christian has taken that one 18 goals scored in the the opening months of the season so 1-1 one, one. <laughs> question three in what minute of the match did alpha saini score his thunderbolt against anif on match day seven christian you up first uh, I think that was like in the 62nd minute. Eric shaking his head. What do you think? No, it was in the first half. I take it back. Oh, I can't. Yeah, you're right. I, I was in the first half. Now I remember. Ugh. <laughs> we'll take the first answer at 62nd there. We'll be kind. We'll take 62nd minute. What about you, Eric? Definitely the second half. Exactly on the 72nd minute. Okay. Your closest there, Eric. It was the 78th minute. So Eric taking uh, Eric taking a 2-1 lead into the final two questions. Uh, I thought uh, they all blend together. The, that goal blend? It's usually, hey, in my defense, Lee, I'm usually <laughs> two to three Otterkringer in it by the first half, okay? So it's... <laughs> that, that's a good enough defense for me. Question four. <laughs> According to the Austrian Football Association website, how many games has Tamash Tandari played for FCPS A and B combined? It's a tough oh, one. Oh, combined. I've got the A answer. Combined. I'm going to go combined 335. I'm going to say 350. Okay, Eric was just four out there. It's 331. That's an incredible guess. Well done. So Eric's won, but we'll finish with the final question. Question number five. <laughs> How many points do league leaders Esval Kukul currently have? 23. No. <laughs> I take it back. Go ahead. I, I'll stick with my 23, but I know it's not right. You know, I could take the price of right stance on this and go one up from what you have, but that's yeah. just an easy way out. It is. Let's see. They completed 12 matches. They're at top of the table. So they're... Let's go with 28. That's what I was going to say, 28. It is indeed 28, so you've had a fantastic well done, finish there, Eric. Eric takes the title, celebrating there uh, off-camera. Great stuff, so thanks for, <laughs> thanks for doing some of our, our trivia with us, guys. Um, yeah. We'll let you go in a minute, because I know you've got to head off to the fan owner calls, but last but not least, what would you say to anyone who might be listening right now and is considering making an investment and getting on board? What would your what would your words be to them? We'll start with you, Eric. If you're uh, into sports, whether it's fancy sports or just watching sports on TV, man, get a serious look over because it gives you the layer of um, information, knowledge, participation that you're simply not going to get anywhere else. I make a joke on Twitter that to the minimum investment into this opportunity is the cost of about six replica jerseys. Come on. This is a, a fun time. It's a cool community. And uh, I'm enjoying the journey. Come on board. Great stuff. Christian's sitting there with his 
cat on his lap. Let's let's in- introduce your cat to us. And I know that listeners won't be able to see him, Christian. But his name is Angus, and um, he has a propensity for eating the Christmas tree. So I had to, I had to save him from himself. Um, the first thing I would say is don't base your fan ownership on my um, trivia performance. That's that's <laughs> the first thing I would say because because um, I spent a lot of time second guessing myself. But I agree 100% with Eric. I think, you know, for the for the cost of fan ownership, if you want nice mid-level seats at an NHL hockey game or an NBA basketball game, you pretty much paid for a fan owner deal. I mean, that's the reality of it. Um, you know, and fan ownership is, is forever. It's not like you get the one game experience. Um, and plus, you're going to meet a a whole new group of people that have a shared common interest. Um, you know, I, I think about, I, I look at ticket prices all the time and I think is fan ownership justified for, for what I invested in? It's like, yeah, it's season tickets, you know, and then at the end of the season it's over. And then what do you have? You don't have anything, you know, I've, I've developed lifelong friendships. I, I, I don't think you can put a price on that. Absolutely brilliant. Well, guys, I've really enjoyed this interview and I'm, I'm sure our listeners will, will love tuning in and, and listening to you not only compete in trivia, but hearing about your, your longstanding friendship as well. So thanks so much for joining me today. Wishing you both a very happy Christmas and to all our listeners out there. I'm looking forward to engaging with the Minority Report in the new year. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Take care. This has been the FCPS show. It's recorded, produced and edited in Vienna, Austria for FC Pinskau Saalfelden. And if you're interested to find out more about Europe's unique fan-owned club model, then why don't you head on over to wefunder.com forward slash fan.owned.club and find out everything that you need to know about this incredible opportunity to become a part owner of a European soccer club.